Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, you're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're reviewing Joe Bell, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And in this episode, we're talking about Joe Bell, which tells the intimate true story of an Oregonian father who pays tribute to his gay teenage son by embarking on a self-reflective walk across middle America to speak his heart about the real and terrifying costs of bullying. Directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, this is his second feature after Sundance Jury Prize winner Monsters and Men, with a screenplay by Diana Osana and Larry McMurtry, who are the Oscar winners of the adapted Brokeback Mountain screenplay. So Joe Bell stars Mark Wahlberg in the title role, Reed Miller, Connie Britton and Gary Sinise. To start... It really packs a punch knowing that this is a true story and the fact that it's not an isolated one. And I think that's the biggest tragedy of them all, isn't it? There's so many kids in pain out there who are alone, they're lost and they're dying, dealing with the grapples of who they are with everyone around them telling them that there is something wrong with them. And that just breaks my heart that these stories exist, but there are so many out there. Absolutely. And Jaden Bell's story really captured the American attention because it was so tragic. He, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler for the movie or anything, but he was found and on life support for another couple of weeks after that. So it's, it's especially tragic in the circumstances surrounding his death. That's interesting that you say that he was on life support for several weeks after. Mm. I didn't know that. And they don't cover that off in the film. Do you think that was an element that would have impacted more on the audience if they'd showed that side of his of his suffering and his death? I think so. Maybe it was too much. Maybe it was too heavy. I think mm. a film like this really needs to be handled delicately and whether it's done it successfully or not is something we're going to discuss throughout this episode. That issue for me 
came up in a lot of areas in this film, things that weren't mm-hmm. shown that I wish would have yeah. been shown for more impact. I mean, the father's journey across middle America, he's walking to New York because his son wanted to move to New York, you know, when he left high school. That journey and the people that he's speaking to along the way, we never really get to hear what he's saying to people, bar one exception in a bar somewhere, I think. Yes, and then the sheriff of a local town and the relationship that he has with his adult gay son, played by Gary Sinise, which we'll touch on later. But, yeah, you mentioned that Joe Bell, he embarks on what he calls a forgiveness walk or what you kind of take away Mm. as a forgiveness walk. I took on that he he set out to feel as alone and as hopeless as his son felt in his life, that he was out there with no help in a very dangerous situation sometimes and Mm. definitely in the unknown. And he was really weighed down by the regret that he didn't do enough for his son when he was alive. Yeah, he's a man really reckoning with his own uh, bad parenting, I guess, and guilt. But I had a hard time investing in this father's journey. What was his character arc you know the reason for his walk is just awful and poignant but I didn't see any kind of growth on this trip yeah I I feel the same like we know that he was out there for redemption of his shortcomings as a character Mm. and what you get flavors of that he was a deeply flawed person with his own shortcomings as a parent and as a husband but are you saying that we didn't uncover enough about Joe Bell to to really feel that or Uh, I think we understood enough about him as a man. You know, he was uncomfortable Mm. with his son coming out to him. He didn't outright reject him, but he wasn't entirely comfortable with it. You could tell, you know, he was very impatient. You know, I love you. You know, is that enough? Can I go back to my my game now? You know, Literally, to go back to watch sports. Yeah. Yeah. He says he's supportive, but actions speak louder than words. This is what's really important. And, you know, he, he tells his son to practice cheering in the backyard. Mm. He tells him to keep to himself, keep his business to himself. He leaves the football game when his son is being bullied and harassed for being on the cheer squad. You know, these kind of actions speak louder than words and Jaden was seeing that and taking that on board. So I think we understood who he was as a man. He was a, a Midwestern white male who was uncomfortable with things that he didn't understand. Okay, so we understood that about him. But when he set off on this pilgrimage, if you will, did he change or was he just carrying the guilt? I think this film, and this is me taking away, not maybe not necessarily what I felt from the movie, which plays on to your point, is that the film asks the question, what does advocacy look like? Mm. What does it take to be an ally? What's expected of you? Is it ever too late? And I mean, his son was dead, mm. but despite that it is never too late to fight for the ones you love and to try and do the right thing. But it was hard to extrapolate that out of how the film played out, I think. It's a tricky message, isn't it? Because they Mm. do allude to the fact throughout the film that he's making a martyr of himself when it's not about Mm. him. There's a line in the film that says, you know, you made Jaden being gay all about Joe Bell. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he took off on this walk and people were seeing him as a celebrity and following him on social media, on one hand, yes, he's bringing attention to the issue. But on the other hand, he is making it all about himself. He's not walking for the right reasons in the beginning, especially. Yeah. And look, there was a simple line that he said that that carries a lot of weight behind it. It's a really important line 
that, you know, I identify as a gay person, that it's really important to hear when you have these sorts of interactions with people who don't understand you or have certain perceptions, which is Mm. another big theme of this film around perceptions, is I'm going to try to be better. Mm. That's such a simple thing to say. Okay. And it means a lot, but sometimes it isn't enough. I think maybe these messages were being lost to me Mm. in terms of the story unfolding. I just saw a white middle-aged man walking across America. And it's hard to grapple with this because you have to remember they are real people. Yeah. You know, this really happened. He lost his son. It's really tragic. And, you know, we're all flawed humans as much as Joe Bell is in our own ways. You know, but there was one point where he kind of had a revelation that he realised he had a part to play in his son's death. And I just screamed at the television screen, well, duh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. we're watching a movie about this man who is completely self-involved becoming slightly more self-aware. I found that strange. Right. Dig into that for me, slightly self-aware, like to surface level. It, it just didn't come across. I think yeah. so. And I think the way it fell down is not necessarily in the story. It's a good story and based on real events, as we said, so it's really tragic. But the way it was unfolding in the film was through a lot of montages and a lot of flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And I found that really hard to connect with this character's journey, not being able to hear what he was telling people, not really being able to understand how people were receiving him. There is a section in the film where it's pointed out to him that he is talking to people who are willing to listen and that's not the people that he needs to reach. Yes, which was a very powerful line. But does he ever reach those people? Well, if he does, we didn't really see that in the film, did we, Lee? No. Yeah. You know, I guess it, there could be an argument made that putting Mark Wahlberg, okay, an actor who is controversial in the fact that he has been accused of hate crimes mm. in the past, you know, putting him in a role like this is kind of putting him on a pedestal too. And his usual characters are kind of the embodiment of Midwestern action hero. Mm. So, Is that this film's way of trying to reach those people through Mark Wahlberg? And there's a lot of value in that, isn't there? Yeah, I think think so. As frustrating as that might be for us looking at it, it it is so important if it just achieves that sort of uh, approach. But my big question is, does it add anything new to this story that was all over the news in America and social media or does it add anything new to this issue? Does it further the issue in any way? What do you think? I think it's just a small piece in a very, very big puzzle Mm. that will take a very long time to complete. And what I think it does really highlight well is that it highlights that Jaden tried to get help. He tried to get help several times and it wasn't there. His school even thought it was too much trouble to deal with his bullying. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely devastating. He had his family support, which we've touched on, but it was tainted by their own judgment and the perception that other people Mm. had of them. And the perception, it's like, you have a gay son rather than my son is gay. What do I need to do? Mm. So basically they hadn't really accepted him uh, and they have to then live with that guilt, don't they? We mentioned earlier that Diana Asana and Larry McMurtry uh, adapted Brokeback Mountain, which is an Oscar winning film. McMurtry sadly passed away early this year, so that's their last collaboration. But they really do know how to craft stories about sexual repression and persecution in the American heartland. They know how to approach this topic. Mm. So I think the story was was there. It was strong. Yeah, the story was there. It was strong. And going back to the point around how they structured the film mm. through flashbacks and time passing and such, I generally have no issue with that. And I actually felt it was a really unique creative choice for Jaden 
Bell, despite him not being alive, to take that journey across America mm. with his father in some way. But I think it impacted us getting to know any character intimately yeah. other than Joe Bell, but still you kind of didn't really get him at the same time. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that with the flashbacks. They needed to do it that way. I think if you'd approached it in a chronological way, it would have been mm. too much. You would have lost people in the first act. But there were so many montages and it glossed over pivotal points and made it hard to invest. Yes. I just had no idea where Joe Bell was mentally and sometimes physically and how much time had passed. Yeah, the spatial awareness thing came into play there because <laughs> yeah. apparently he was on the road walking for six months, but that wasn't mm. clear in the way that they told the story. I didn't feel or realise or understand he'd been out there for half a year. Yeah. I think that was a big problem. And I mean, I keep bouncing back and forth on this review. I wasn't sure where I was going to land on it because, you know, I really wanted to know what he was saying to people along the way. And I wondered why they weren't showing it and hearing it. But I guess it's a tough line to walk, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to be showing him giving all these talks, it could come across as preachy. Well, the first time that he addresses him talking to kids about tolerance and bullying, mm. it does come across as really impersonal. Yeah. And he doesn't resonate with the kids in that in that room. It clearly highlights that he's not the best public speaker and it's probably not the best forum for him. So the rest of the time you see him interacting with people is in much smaller groups, which I think is mm. more impactful and how they chose to tell the story. I wonder what was actually true or real about Joe Bell's journey across America? How many big school halls do you speak to mm. in comparison to those smaller sorts of seminars? I do want to highlight the cinematography, though, of this film. Mm. Amazing attention to the rural landscapes, absolutely superb. And it does it in a way that doesn't feel, I want to say, glorious and beautiful. It was glorious and beautiful, but it was still dark. You were still feeling the heaviness of this man's journey. Mm amongst this huge landscape, beautifully framed in places as well. Lots of close-ups, shots of hands and intimate eyes meeting eyes, especially when Jaden is crushing on his his secret love. Mm. I found that really gorgeous, really beautifully framed. Yeah, it was beautifully told story visually, I agree. And how the landscape and the outdoor world played into the struggles of his story of redemption was when he was going through really harsh landscapes and how that impacted his journey mm. he had a trolley right and a sleeping bag and barely mm. anything else and along that journey he encountered people with incredible kindness but then also people who needed him as well like the gary sinise mm. character yeah it was a beautiful backdrop to this story in of itself the landscape speaking of the gary sinise character he pops in near the end he's quite a minimal but important piece of this film I think he delivers the pain of a father battling regret and facing his own shortcomings more effectively in only a couple of scenes than Mark Wahlberg does in the whole film. I think he should have been Joe Bell. And this is going to sound harsh, but I think Mark Wahlberg was miscast. And Really? Yeah, and that's not to say that Mark Wahlberg can't do these roles. I've seen him do better. We know he's capable of it. He often does action roles, but he can he can do a really good dramatic role but in this he's gobbling his words he's struggling with the accent and he's struggling with the nuance of the character and that took you out of the film it did it, i did feel on face value that it was a an interesting casting choice and i like your idea of having gary wear those shoes and i think it would have been a, a 
I don't know, much more impactful film if he played Joe Bell. I suspect that Gary Sinise is maybe too old for the role. Right. Although in, in terms of looks, he didn't look it. Can we talk about Reed Miller who oh. played Jaden Bell? Yes, please. Didn't you feel his resilience and pain like no mm. other? You know, when he called his best friend, I was in such agony for him. Yeah. His performance was just beautiful. It was so hard to watch because you knew what decision was to follow. Mm. and you knew and could feel what he was grappling with and he just needed someone to tell him otherwise or to simply have some time for him and he couldn't get it Mm. and he didn't know who to turn to and how tragic is that of a young person to think that they are alone and there were many scenes where he was an absolutely triumphant actor but that Mm. one got me real, real, real hard. Mm. He turned in a beautiful performance and... He actually had wonderful chemistry with everyone around him, including Mark Wahlberg. There were some silly scenes later on in the film, which we don't spoil for anyone, but I enjoyed the banter and the back and forth that they were having, you know. And obviously a lot of that is Joe Bell trying to reconcile his relationship with his son, but they were so good together, even though it was so silly and it was so out of character. It just They work really well together. Yeah, the chemistry was real and you felt it and mm. it was quite beautiful. But at the same time, it was tragic because the chemistry that you felt between father and son wasn't real. It was mm. after he had left this earth and that was really sad Yeah, uh, to, to understand and grapple with that it wasn't a real memory. It was, it was an imagination. Mm. Can I tell a, a little story, if you don't mind? Please do. So as anyone who identifies as gay like myself or queer for that matter, the ritual of coming out is something we still feel the need to do or expected to do in society mm-hmm. and even then judged for it. You know, oh, why do you have to make a big deal about it? Why are you sharing this and making it known? So it's hard. And I, I really empathise with Jaden in one of the scenes earlier on in the film when he comes out to his dad. Mm. And what I want to share is that there really is no good time to come out to your parents because I remember when I did, I was in my dad's hotel room in London. Ironically, we had a drink in the gay district of Soho just before and that alone made it feel like it was the right time. You know how you psych Mm. yourself up about doing something? But then when we did that, I was like, oh, my God, like I'm literally in a gay bar and Mm. I'm planning on telling my dad that I'm gay tonight. This like it just has to happen. I've got to psych myself Mm. up for that. And he was working away on his laptop and I just blurted it out, almost shouted it across the room. It just left <laughs> my body and it was done. Yeah. And look, I was incredibly fortunate to have and still do have a loving and supporting father and family. So my privilege is not lost on me, but I think as an audience, as someone watching this film, that scene made me sad. It made me frustrated. Mm. But I empathised deeply with Jaden when he was trying to come out to his father and and the reaction and and, and interaction they had with each other at the time. Thank you for sharing that story with us. I was going to say, your dad's wonderful. I can't imagine him being anything but accepting. But we haven't seen a coming out story like this on screen. And, you know, I don't have experience with this, but to me it felt more real. Mm. You know, you don't do this magnificent moment that happens in film you do kind of just blurt it out at the dinner table or in the middle of a football game or... Middle of a football game, yeah. Yeah, well, I was meant to go home. Like, I, I was going to 
get home really, really late. So I just I just sat there just awkwardly while he was working away. And I'm like, oh, I can't leave without saying this out loud because at the time it felt really important for me to do that. But mm. yeah, everyone's got their own unique coming out story. That's for sure. I enjoyed seeing that version on screen as hard as it was to watch. Mm. It felt more grounded to me. Well, because it was grounded in reality, wasn't it? It mm. was true to life. True. And yeah. there are so many like that, which is awful, which is just awful. Well, it does feel like a bit of a bummer to end on that note, Lee, but do you think it's time we wrap up our review and rate Joe Bell? Sure, let's give it a shot. At the core of Joe Bell, I think, is a movie with a good heart, but it does a disservice to the real people and its important messages by skimming the surface under the guise of not letting this character off the hook. It's a redemption story without the redemption that's more interested in Joe's story than Jaden's, unfortunately. And yet I think it doesn't do unflinching justice to either Joe or Jaden's stories, nor does it explore the horrific consequences of bullying in a way that furthers the issue. It has really resonated with audiences though, uh, but has been torn apart by critics. I'm going to give Joe Bell two and a half popcorn kernels. This is a story that is as relevant now as it was then and will be tomorrow. Someone being gay is not about you, and this film helps to break down and understand what your part in it all could look like, how to be an ally, but also how to identify and deal with your own shortcomings. This is an important film, and one that will resonate with many who need to see it, but where it doesn't quite triumph is very similar to you, Lee, and I'll add on to that is, you know, it it doesn't triumph in establishing enough about the Bell family and the people within it and around them. But I'm going to rate Joe Bell three popcorn kernels. Well, there you have it. Joe Bell is in select Australian cinemas from September 23, pending lockdowns. Lee, let's jump into our movie news and trailer section. I want you to take this first piece of news because mm-hmm. I know this will excite you a lot. It does, actually. It's been announced that there is a Lost Boys remake in the works coming almost 40 years after the original starring Kiefer Sutherland, oh, love Kiefer Sutherland, Alex Winter, Corey's Haim and Feldman and Jason Patrick. 40 years? It's, Almost. How fucking old are we? Oh, shut you up. Know, how is this movie 40 <laughs> years ago? Ugh. All right, so this story follows two brothers who move to a new town that is overrun with vampires and the reimagined take is set to start Noah Jupe from A Quiet Place and Jaden Martell from Knives Out in the lead roles. Yet another remake. This film has had two sequels already, straight to DVD sequels. And I think there was a TV series in the works at some point before the pandemic. Right. I'm excited to see it. This is my brain fights with itself over remakes because I don't want another remake, goddammit, of a film that's iconic in its time. (laughs) But at the same time, I really do want to see it. This is when nostalgia takes grip of you and just pulls you in and Makes you get excited. One thing that I am extra excited for is Olivia Wilde shared a teaser for her second directorial outing called Don't Worry, Darling. The psychological thriller follows a housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community who begins to worry his glamorous company may be hiding disturbing secrets. It feels very Stepford Wives, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I love it. Now, get a load of this, Lee. The film stars Florence Pugh and... Harry Styles as the couple. Goodness, sign me up. Along with Gemma Chan, Chris Pine and Nick Kroll and has set a September 2022 release date. After Booksmart, I am here for anything that Olivia Wilde wants to do. So I'm really excited to see this. That was such a strong directorial debut, wasn't it? Booksmart. 
So good. Warner Brothers is reportedly developing more Mortal Kombat projects, Tim. According to Variety, the studio is developing other characters in its Mortal Kombat universe, which, you know, isn't all that surprising considering the ending of the recent Mortal Kombat set the stage for a sequel with the tease of Johnny Cage. Now, who would we like to see as Johnny Cage? Ryan Reynolds has been thrown around. Oh, my God. Uh, amazing. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Um, That's it. The end. <laughs> That's it. be Ryan Reynolds now. You put that in my head. <laughs> I need to think about that now. Who else could there be? Well, you tell us, guys. Comment on our social platforms. Tell us who do you think should be cast as Johnny Cage. Speaking of Warner Brothers, director Christopher Nolan seems to have parted ways with Warner Brothers for his next project, After almost 20 years with the studio, Universal will fully fund the movie about J. Robert Oppenheimer and the creation of the atomic bomb, as well as the physicist's later opposition to the hydrogen bomb. Now, Nolan was vocal in his dismay about Warner Brothers releasing their 2021 movies on streaming service HBO Max the same day as theatres, saying at the time of the decision, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. I remember reading that quote Mm. for the first time last year, but he is a huge advocate for the shared cinema experience. And if you are familiar with Christopher Nolan's work, Mm. his films need to be seen on the big screen. They do. Warner Brothers, they're in the gutter now. This week, we also got the first images and trailer from Guillermo del Toro's noir crime remake, Nightmare Alley, starring Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Bradley Cooper, Tony Collette, and oh, so many more. What a cast. Now, del Toro is known for his dark gothic films, often with a supernatural twist, but this one marks a change in MO for the filmmaker, who says there's nothing otherworldly about this one. There are still monsters in the film, but these monsters are purely human. Goodness me. Nightmare Alley is based on a 1946 novel by William Lindsay Gresham, made previously into a gritty 1947 film and is expected in Australian cinemas from January 20. We don't have long to wait for that one. Lee, speaking of remakes, sequels, all the Mm. rest of it, the Twins sequel, aptly named Triplets, will begin filming in January with Tracy Morgan joining Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito as a third long-lost sibling. This sequel is 33 years in the making, and Schwarzenegger had been discussing the project actually with Eddie Murphy in the third role. I would have loved to have seen that. But the comedian became booked up after his Coming to America sequel, and so the script was rewritten for Tracy Morgan, who is, of course, the star of 30 Rock and other things. Are you a fan of Tracy Morgan? Nope. Neither. What a shame that this project has lost Eddie Murphy. Moving on, Matthew Lopez has been hired to write a reimagining of The Bodyguard based on the original starring Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. Now, this is another one that should just really stay in its iconic place in history. Goodness, this project has been in the works for years with combos from Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson to Channing Tatum and Cardi B (laughs) floating uh, (laughs) as the potential stars. Now, Who do we think should take on the iconic roles? I don't even want to put it out in the universe. I would love to see Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Really? I think that's because the success of their Men in Black film. Yeah. I mean, they are a good pair on screen, especially in Mm. the Thor franchise. Now, I reckon we could appease Barbara Streisand. 
because she has made comments about the remake of A Star Is Born mm. and apparently that had the likes of Beyonce and Will Smith attached at one point. So why don't we throw Will Smith and Beyonce in the Bodyguard remake and see how it Ooh, turns out. Beyonce, I would like to see Beyonce there. Wow, that would be really good. Because it has to be a big name star because Whitney Houston was a big mm. pop sensation in the early 90s. So Beyonce seems to fit the bill from my perspective. What about Emily Blunt and Dwayne The Rock Johnson? <laughs> Their follow-up to Jungle Cruise, The Bodyguard. <laughs> Why not? Why not? She can sing. She can sing and he can yeah. He can bounce. He can bodyguard. <laughs> he can. <laughs> okay. We're manifesting that here. He'll, he'll just flick anyone that gets near it. <laughs> Send them flying across the room. Oh, my God. All right, it's happening. Yep. It's happening. You heard it here first. All right, Lee, we've got some Marvel news who have locked in some dates for their exciting upcoming schedule. We already knew that early next year we were getting Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder, but now Black Panther Wakanda Forever has dropped in for July the 7th with the Marvels in November. In early 2023, we will see the release of Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. <gasps> as well as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Barely made it through that. Gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> Marvel me up. Choo, 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 make mm. it rain. Yeah. Now, Tim, we finally got the first full trailer for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story this week and doesn't it look amazing? Beautiful. It's an adaptation of the 1957 musical West Side Story and explores forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. He knows how to shoot a film, doesn't he, Spielberg? My God. Can't wait. I just watched the trailer a few times on repeat, actually, because I mm. just was obsessed with some of those shots and the lighting and oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Skimmy, gimme, gimme. And on that note, that wraps up another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We covered Joe Bell this week, which is in Australian cinemas from September 23. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.